This is Ralph Metzner, and you're listening to the Radio 8-Ball Show with Andras Jones. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball. Give us a shake. We're live in the studio, tempting fate. Wherever you are, putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select with the help of our friend. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and for seven musical divinations, we have been joined by singer-songwriter Louise Goffin. Hello, Andras. And she has been providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations, and we are down to the last question. And... The last question is provided by Louise, and she has it. She's provided it to me in here. a secret, in a secretly sealed gold envelope. May you have the envelope, please? Yes, and uh, and I just want to say it's. It, we we were just talking about it right before we started taping. The, it, there's a lot of work that goes into doing these. Not not just for me, but for the for the songwriter. I demand a lot. Of them, I I started the show out as like this is going to be so easy. Just come in with eight songs. We'll open up the phone lines. People call in. That's when we were just doing it on the radio. But now we have to like get guests, and you have to learn the theme song. And it's just it's by the time one of these is finished, I am torn between thinking, I I know this. I know that I we went through something together, and also feeling like what did I put that poor woman through or that poor artist through because I put it through put men and women through this um, are you okay are you feeling oh I'm I'm great it's definitely it definitely feels like we went through something for sure and yeah it's, it's really interesting uh, it, it's nice that the songs apply to these other random questions and it's not just about me and my life you know it's nice to expand it outward yeah. I've, I find that that I hope that's an enjoyable experience for the songwriters to do this let let the, let the, them resonate in the, in someone else's mind. But let's get to your question, because this is about you. This is where you, Louise Goffin, face yourself, Louise Goffin. You know that quote. Enough about me. What do you think about my hair? <laughs> so your question for the Pop Oracle, which is going to be answered by the song called What? You have it. You know it in your head. I know what the last song that we have not done is. And it is? Watching the Sky Turn Blue. Watching the Sky Turn Blue. And that is going to be the answer to this question. Why do some people value the accumulation of large sums of money above the value of, sus of sustaining of a planet that they can spend, that they <laughs> can't read my writing. That they can't spend any of that money on? Like, you want me to read it? Yeah, you're <laughs> I, I sing what I write because you can't read what I write. All right. So your question is? Why do some people value the accumulation of large sums of money above the value of sustaining a planet 
that they can even spend any of that money on. Excellent. And now the answer from Louise Goffin. All right. Here's the answer. Go on, make a mistake. Go on, let's jump in the lake. What's your favorite song? Watching the sky turn blue. You always know where to find me. I used to do nothing of the kind. See, I'm just sitting here on this fence. Watching the sky turn blue. Don't you think it's about time? About time, about time the sun shines down on you. Give the take, I'll take the give. In the middle of my coffee break. You'll find me on the Ferris wheel Watching the sky turn blue Don't you think it's about time About time, about time The sun shine down on you Watching the sky turn blue, the answer from Louise Goffin to Louise Goffin about why some people are so attached to accumulating money or more attached to uh, to accumulating money than to the planet that they can spend that money on. Right. Even though I didn't get the words exactly right. That's uh, I everyone can make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. See what I did there? Because the first line is a mistake. Yeah. 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 so uh, tell us a little bit about the background of that song. Uh, I wrote that song with this, uh, a songwriter in Nashville, Steve Dean. And I I went over to his house and, you know, he said, we're going to write a hit song today. I can feel it. Nice. <laughs> I don't know Confidence what, is good. I, I don't know what a hit song is anymore because, you know, terrestrial radio and, you know, the world is not the way it used to be. Um but that that was actually using uh, 
Carrie Pilby. Yeah. It was an independent film, a really sweet indie film, really enjoyable. Um, you had a bunch of songs in films. Well, yes and no. I mean, a lot of times the songs were around or the records were around a long time, and then, you know, you get a phone call and something happens. But more often than not, nothing happens. <laughs> it, you, you just put them out. I put them out there anyway. It's funny. When we talked before, you were you you were pretty adamant about not asking a question for other people. Mm-hmm. And that's and your question is about why are other people true? But then, but this is a mirror, and so uh, it's interesting that this song. How do songwriters make money at this point in in our lives in the in the evolution of this industry? It's not in putting out having a hit record, like your friend said. Let's write a hit record. Who has hit records anymore? We get songs in films. We get songs, and we've had a lot of songwriters. We had uh, have a, we've sort of touched on this several times through the show because we've had a lot of different songwriters in. We had um, Jordan Zevon called in, and he asked about like people giving him crap about using his one of his dad's songs in a serial commercial, and how people have an attitude about that. And I think it's interesting as artists. A lot of times we judge ourselves or are judged when we do something where we make any money at it. And the idea there's a certain a kind of a purity that's there or that is imagined in doing something like a hit record is sort of sacred, whereas having a song in a commercial or having a song in a movie is seen as being maybe a lesser, like a more like it's a more commercial thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say to those fans is, hey, listen, you don't want me to work for a corporation, so how about everybody send me this much money a month and I'll stay really pure Mm -hmm. and be able to pay my rent. And I promise I won't do, I will never promote American Express. Just, (laughs) you know, just, just keep me afloat. This is your ad for your Patreon campaign. <laughs> I mean, you know, artists have to do everything they can do just to stay alive and keep going. It's it's uh the world isn't what it used to be and it it didn't used to be great either. I mean, the the good old days were good when they were good. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe you'd get a record deal or or something would happen, but then you wouldn't get another paycheck for 3 years or 4 years and Everything is in perspective, but really what I do is write songs. I love recording the songs. I love playing the songs. And the question is, what's going to happen with them? I don't I don't stop being in motion waiting for something external to happen. Right. It's just you just keep going. I mean, I was talking I was talking with a friend of mine who's a songwriter today and she was was saying, "Oh, she feels like She's 30 years old and it's done. She's or 32. She's done. I felt that too. <laughs> it's too late. It's too late to do anything. I felt that at 23. <laughs> I felt it at 30. I, I, at 40, you know, as, as the years go on, this is the best lesson of getting older. Every single time I get to a moment where I go, it's over. I have a lot of memories of a lot of moments. I said that to myself and I know it's not true. Yeah. And I was saying to her, you know, you don't know the effect. Like, she's like, I haven't done anything yet. Like, I've, and I think a lot of people, like, if you haven't had your number one hit, if you had, like, 
the the moving the goalpost thing. Like I haven't I, even what I have achieved isn't enough. And you know, no one's going to know me. No one's going to know who I am. And that was sort of what she was saying. And uh, it was a funny. I don't know. This is going to sound braggier. I don't know. It's. I don't know what it's going to sound like. But we had tried on a earlier show to get Van Dyke. She's French. She cuts Van Dyke Parks's hair, and he thinks she's cool because she's a great songwriter. And this is David Goodstein's girlfriend? No, no. <laughs> um, she cuts hair. And oh yeah, I met her. Uh, and she and she had sent me his response saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, I can't do it, but." Tell Andras I'm a big fan of his work, and I was like, he just says that. Like, I, I, I'm like, I can't imagine that. Like, I, I don't know if you know, I put out records, I had a band and stuff, but like, I can't imagine that my work found its way to Van Dyke Parks. But at the same time, I've been telling this woman that her stuff is in heavy rotation in my, I, on my phone when I listen to music. So for me, she is still doing stuff. She's as current as anyone who's in my, who's on my playlist, right? So I don't think of her as someone who's not doing stuff. And then she told me the story, and I was having the same feeling of like, I've done nothing. Why would Van Dyke Parks, of all people, know who I am? But if you've made one CD, if you made, had one song in a something, it might have penetrated someone's mind and got in in a way, had, had an effect that was so much more powerful. Like, I don't know about you, but for me... It's really nice when I've made a thousand bucks for or something for to have a song in something, but when I hear that an artist who meant a lot to me that my records in their collection, I get like these I get chills like this thing of like oh yeah, that's why we do this right to to connect. Yeah, I think the I think the universal insecurity with all artists is da 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 <laughs> <laughs> we're invisible to ourselves. We don't feel ourselves it's like fish are always in water like we don't really notice air until it's gone fish don't really notice that they're constantly in water we would notice if we were constantly in water but the fish doesn't notice it and when somebody comes up to us and says i heard something you did suddenly we we feel the water we feel the air we Mm -hmm. feel like we're not floating in this room full of mirrors anymore and I think sometimes we overdo because we think no one's listening and to put something out to the world and trust it and let it be and you know it's it's a great thing I always thought that one of the the most common unkindnesses people do is to withhold praise I mean, I ha- I personally had that in my growing up. My father was an exacting person with every lyric, every line. Uh, he could be quite critical. He was very self-critical, and it usually stems from somebody projecting their own mm-hmm. high thing. But there was a time when I wrote a song. It was the first time I, I knew with absolute certainty that I had written a great song. Mm-hmm. And I played it for him, I think, it was the early 90s. I played it for him, and he really responded in this just, you know, I was not expecting him to be so, yeah, well, you know. And then he left the room, and I asked and his wife came up to me and said, he thought that song was amazing. And I went, he did? Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't he tell me? She said, he thought it would go to your head. 
So, (laughs) you know, we... (laughs) So people withhold, you know, people withhold things. Like women, if they see another woman who's attractive, maybe they go to the competitive part of their brain before they go, sister, you good in that dress? Like, I, I, you know, when a guy says he likes my shoes, it's it's nice. But when a woman says she likes my shoes, it's even nicer because I know she's refined and in her choices about shoes, you know? So, I mean, I, I guess what I would be saying to, to anyone listening, that if you think something nice about someone, you think, I really like what they did, or I really love what they're wearing, or I, I love the way they said that, it really is gold. And you make the world a better place by giving someone that information. Because a lot of times you assume people are confident and they don't need it and it's not going to do anything, but you could change their life just by passing that on. And going back to that question, there are two things that jump out. One is like, again, the sense of accumulating and hoarding, hoarding your praise. When we do that, it's not that we're killing the planet, but we are sort of, we're killing the the aliveness, the potential aliveness in relationship and connecting. And that's been a sort of a theme that I felt running through a lot of your songs and the answers is this sense of like, like I'm waiting in the sun for you, like come out, come out and have a communicate, like let's communicate. Let's actually, you know, even with like me and Britta, tell me what you don't like about what I say, but then stay in the conversation so that I can tell you why I like that you said that you didn't like what I said so that now I, we, we're in it together. Yeah. Um, that the generosity, in a way, the generosity of criticism. And then the other part of it was the idea of that accumulation. On the other side of it, we're wanting this praise. We're wanting and wanting and wanting it. But maybe we're not as, as forthcoming in giving it. And so this, uh, this dynamic plays out until someone makes the first step. Well, scarcity is, you know, it's, it's, that, it's a cliche about if you use your light to light another candle that doesn't make your light go out, you know. It's, it's, um, it's just something that, I mean, I always think of the politicians and anyone with a, a publicly really big ego, you know, who seems like they're just bulletproof. I, I always wonder if they know how transparent it is that they're insecure. Like the bigger, the bigger the firework display, usually the the deeper the insecurity is. So, uh, you know, it 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 can be hard to just sit with yourself and feel like you're enough. For anyone to sit with themselves and feel like they're enough, and and everybody suffers from it's a universal insecurity of you know, compare and despair. And the way out of that is generosity and gratitude. And we don't get smaller by giving to someone else. We don't get smaller by sharing the light and sharing a compliment. It actually shows a, a, a bigger spirit to do that. And it makes everybody win. And at the same time, some people have a real hard time receiving it. That's really true. Sometimes it can be re- like... What do they want? What do they want out of this? (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That that's the the thought. It's like if someone's giving me something, you know, there's going to be a there's going to be a hitch. I'm going to owe them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh man, I could get you know I could just hang out 
this has been one of the longer tapings that we've done. And no surprise. I, I could just keep I could just keep going longer with you, Louise. This is fantastic. How did my song answer my question though? We kind of got off that. I mean, well, I think I think because what I I think the I think the answer is this. I'm doing for you what I would do for any of the people. I say like rather than putting it on other people, bring it in, bring it close, and bring it home. Is like where do you say where is this where does this dynamic of accumulation at the expense of the whole, the planet, the world in which you live, where does that dynamic show up in your life? And the themes that were there about, like, I don't know, only you can answer it for yourself. For me, if I brought it in closer to my life and I think of myself, like you, the songwriter, I think of that, that sense of like, I want to keep accumulating good review, like good, you know, like the the good feedback for what I'm doing and maybe there's some area where I'm where I'm not even just appreciating my own life and I don't know if that's the case for you yeah well that that's a that's a valuable way to look at it um I had something in my mind that vanished for a minute but it it was about the accumulation oh I know what it is it's looking at what the word currency is because my question had to do with the accumulation of money. Right. You know, why do billionaires need more billions? You know, you, and because there is a limited amount of years and hours to a day. And I mean, if you have a roof over your head and you even have luxury in your life, you can only. It's like if you own a library, you can only read one book at a time. Mm -hmm. So the same concept goes with cash, you know, so you want more control over the world in your short lifespan and then you will die like everybody else. It it really is, you know, if, if your income is a tip jar, but the currency in your life is your life and not how much money is in the bank account, but you actually have time with your loved ones you have a good quality of life. It's it's really not about what the bank account says. It's really about the real currency, which is your health, your your life, your friendships, and, love, family. Well, look, I'm just thinking of like this first line, the first line: "Go on, make a mistake." To me, that's what the, that's what Radio Eight Ball is about. This this is my obsession. Synchronicity is just the way that things that should never work actually end up working the mistakes that end up being better than the thing that you could have planned um so but then to go to take the the lines further to jump in the lake and feel just feel your whole body being immersed in earthly sensation and what's your favorite song what's like what bring what is the song that stops the world for you and watching the sky turn blue all of these images are images of things that really cost nothing and are the most precious things in life, right? So that, in in a way, the song is answering your question by saying, look at the riches that we're accumulating that connect us to the planet, to, to life, to each other, to the sky, to the water, to music, and to mistakes is, I don't know, what it, mistakes is just life. You wake up in the morning and you think it's going to be one way and then it goes another way. And then... I think you were saying it like as adults, we don't or was Britta saying it that as adults, we don't just stop. We aren't just stopped by things. Something goes wrong and then we keep going. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I did say something earlier. I, I was talking about 
somebody said their life was over when they turned 30 or oh, 23. Yeah. I, I said there's been, yeah, I was saying that there were many times in my life where I thought, oh, I've come to this fork in the road where it's all going to end because in my mind, the way I'm programmed, I believe that, you know, you should be a star by the time you're 23 and certain, and you know, and you're over the hill once you're 30. And, oh, but you good. were. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. Uh, well, see, that's it's all relative. It's all very it's all relative in terms of what someone else might look at being 17 and having your song in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and say, wow, she made it. I mean, when I was 13 and seeing that movie and if I, you know, I, if I was hip enough to see your name in the credits, I would have probably just thought, well, she's set, you know, and that's yeah. right. I think people I think we do that a lot of times. We look at someone and we think, wow. Well, they've got it, you know, whoever it is. Yeah, well, that's a, that's the compare and despair game because it's never the way it's never the way you perceive it is for anyone. <laughs> well, you eventually learn that. <laughs> yeah, you eventually learn it. You know, and, and that whole thing of nobody oh, has that, it made. <laughs> oh, that could never happen to me. You know, I mean, that's yes, it can. And, you know, and and I mean, I, this is a lesson I learned. Um, <clears throat> I mean, jealousy and envy are both really unattractive traits. Right. But what I realized, if there's something that I'm jealous of, it means I want it. And that's great information. It's really like, it, it it's only gets dark and ugly when you see something that someone else has and you want a bit of that and you tell yourself you can never get it. That's when it turns ugly. And I think that's really what's happening across the board, you know, with people fighting. But to believe... And and this has been a theme throughout the whole day today, to believe and have hope that things can change and that the things that you dream of are possible makes the playing field very different. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I feel like we've accumulated some some powerful synchronicities here. I want to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> 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 You're so lucky. In the middle of Radio 8 Ball days, I don't get any sleep. I can I can manage maybe three or four hours. My mind's just racing between the nights before a show or the night after a show. Content, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? And in the interest of a being of appreciating, I uh, I just want to like give a shout out and appreciation to our engineer Brendan, uh, one of the one of several uh, great engineers who helps us out with these shows. And of course, he's he's left the studio now. But our, my my friend and uh, I don't know, just collaborator and uh, great keyboard player. He's there, Marshall Thompson, who <laughs> uh, at, who's just he's he brings so much to the show, and that brings a lot to my life. And uh, and also just and and here we are, again. It's the New Year's, even though it's we're past New Year's now. This is still sort of our New Year's episode. Uh, appreciation of all the artists and everyone who's participated in the show in 2017. It's been a dark year, and my questions have made things only more, only darker and more difficult. But I always hope, like I said, we we all have these moments where we think the darkest thoughts, and maybe it's comforting to know that somebody else has them as well. With all that said, bringing it back to you, Louise, you will, you will have a new record out by the time this comes out. I'm not actually releasing an album. I'm releasing singles every six to eight weeks. That's awesome. Super old school. Yeah. It, I mean, I had a lot of songs and I record. I have a lot of songs recorded and I was going to put out a, a, 
a double or a triple record, and uh, that was the intention. And then I quickly realized that if you put out an entire album and you put out a single, they both get about the same amount of attention. So I figured rather than do it all at once and then have it over with and have all this hard work overlooked because no one has time, as one of the songs I sung says, no one has time, uh, I made a decision to just put them out one at a time. Well, I think that's, you know, that's kind of what we're doing with Radio 8 Ball. We put one question out at a time. We used to do the whole shows. And I was like, oh. oh, that's great. Yeah, it is similar. You're you're doing your greatest hits, you know, one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go, it, whatever, everything old becomes new again. Everything new becomes old again. However, if, since we're just in the new year, yeah, um, I did break my rule of every six to eight weeks because I put out a single at the beginning of December. It was a double A side. Let Me In Again, and A Fine Surprise, both super fine songs. But two weeks later, I put out New Year's Day, which I figure you can have enjoyment of at least through all of January. Yeah. Yeah. So New Uh, Year's Day comes out on the 15th. It comes out on the 15th, and it features Billy Valentine, who is a wonderful singer, and I feel so, I feel really privileged to have gotten to sing that with him. Excellent. Well, um, it's been great having you on the show. And thanks to everyone who participated. And until next time, I am your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Show.